0: All right, so the good news is the special teams was better this past weekend. Uh, but other than other than that, uh, not a lot of uh, reason for optimism as Florida State fell to NC State 27-21. Uh, to 21. Uh, Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Joined with me today, Bob Ferrante, Chris Knee. Uh, guys, obviously not good for Florida State right now. They're sitting at 0-2. Uh, the offense uh, doesn't have a lot of reason for hope. Uh, the defense didn't really carry... Uh, Florida State, like we expected them to uh, this season, uh, with DeAndre Francois out, uh, so there's a lot of concern. And, and right now, at this moment, uh, it's tough to find silver linings. Uh, as we look at, at what happened, uh, how things went kind of awry for Florida State against NC State, uh, let's start off by looking at maybe you know what your guys' thoughts were on the most uh, disturbing or, or, or negative aspect of the loss from Saturday.
1: I think the most disturbing to me is is that Florida State's defense gave up 27 points on a day when you can't do that. When you have a true freshman starting quarterback, when you still have a still developing running game, receivers who are a thin group now with Auden Tate injured. You know this is this was a game we're going in. If you thought Florida State was going to score 21 with James Blackman making his first start, you'd say, "Hey, that's a win. It's going to be 21-17. It's going to be ugly, but but they got the W." And instead, they didn't. I think the, the one real negative from the offense was, was the red zone. When you go back and look at the replay, there were opportunities after opportunities to not settle for three. And this is what, what Florida State did in 2015. They settled way too often for three and didn't get seven points.
2: For me, it was that FSU's coaching flaws, some of which we've seen for a couple seasons now, were abundantly evident. Yeah. Um, Dave Dorn, who should never out-coach uh, FSU football team, out FSU on the day. hmm FSU's defense was downright confusing at times, so watch to how they tried to counter some things NC State did. They were fairly productive against the run, obviously gave up the big run that sealed the game. Against the pass, they really never pressured Finley, and some of that was by design. Finley was quick getting rid of the ball, but FSU was sort of softening coverage, allowed a lot of stuff to develop in tunnels. They were late to get to receivers. Some guys weren't very physical, like Tavares McFadden. Major concerns. Offensively, the O-line played like crap. They were awful. They were not good. They had pre-snap penalties. They couldn't block anybody up. They couldn't open holes. They were ineffective at doing very much in that game. Pass pro was a little better than run blocking, in my opinion, for Mm -hmm. that game. And generally, the offense left a lot to be desired. FSU has not been good on the ground in two games. Mm -hmm. They have given up on run in two games. No matter what the head coach says, they have not run the ball persistently. If you want to know what persistent is, go look at the box score for NC State. 2.9 Two and point nine per rush, but they ran it
0: they 37 in, times. They a, a, and they ran it. They got and, 50, 50 and, yards in the fourth quarter when they had yeah, to. And some yeah. of
2: that is they were trying to kill a clock while FSU was trying to come back. So, yes, it's going to be tilted in NC State's favor in that regard. But even before it reached that point of the game, FSU was not persistent enough mm-hmm. with the running game. They still think Patrick's their best running back, which is just foolish. Cam Akers is by far the best running back. That's yeah. clearly evident in two games. Stats prove that. Play proves that. Your two eyes can prove that. Mm-hmm. The receiving group, you know, actually had a fairly good day. Auden Tate was very good before the injury. George Campbell had a sort of a breakout moment, which was good to see. And Blackman, for a true freshman, played pretty well. Yeah. And like Bob said, or you said, I'm sorry, special teams was a bet on the day. But in general, it was just, uh, you know, I rewatched it yesterday, and I came away disgruntled with what I saw. It was not impressive in any form or fashion.
0: Is, when I watch it, and I'm going back, and I'm currently through my second time rewatching it, this team strikes me as... Relatively soft. I mean, I, I, just at least they were soft against NC State. And, Chris, we were talking about before we were recording the podcast about the officiating and it not being a well-officiated game, to say the least, and the discrepancy in the calls. Um, but human nature, like, is going to look at a game and see the team that's scrappy and that's playing hard and playing faster and more physical, and this isn't any sport that's officiated – the edge goes to the team of just its natural human instinct to kind of look at a team that is working harder. And I thought Florida state was outworked through the, for the majority of that game. NC state wanted it more. Uh, That sounds cliche, but, but they were more physical. They were more assertive. They were more aggressive. Um, And and listen, Florida state had a lot of energy and enthusiasm against Alabama. um, And it was going to have to manufacture some on Saturday. And it didn't. And, And to me, that's disturbing that, yeah. that your defense couldn't manufacture to, to get up for that game.
2: I think there was a point during the game where I looked at you and know, I said, hey, the sideline has some juice. Yeah. But this, I believe, was in the second half when yeah. FSU was trying to do something around the midpoint of the second half yeah, third right. quarter. But that was the first we, time they had we seen We hadn't it. really seen that. I mean, they came out of the gate and allowed 10 points. sense these days. A boom, defense yep. that's supposed to be very good to potentially elite. Walked out the door allowed what twenty some odd plays to be run on them and two drives ten points. Put 20, on the board. 22
0: as a ten play drive and a twelve play drive. You can't
2: do that. And the it, offense
0: went three and out in the meantime. Bob but, said in it, his
2: "You're supposed to be driving the bus and they were asleep at the wheel." Yep. I mean, it, it was just pathetic. And that's on players, but that's also very much on Charles Kelly and Jimbo Fisher. That yeah. defense, that defense was not positioned to have a successful. They, there was no like piss and vinegar. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't an angry bunch. I mean, I don't like what NC State did with some of the cheapies. Mm-hmm. You know, the grabbing of Patrick's helmet and ripping it off should have been a penalty. wasn't called. But it was clear NC State was playing with an edge. They yeah. were a pissed-off, mean
0: bunch. But, yeah, and that's fine. Can yeah. we say that
2: about FSU's defense? Because no. I don't think we can.
0: Even against Alabama, when they played at a really high level and they were hustling, they were hustling against Alabama. There wasn't a, a lot of imposing fear into them, and we haven't seen that. And I think that 2015 defense had a little bit of that... that Badassness to
2: it, but Alabama naturally is going to bring out competitiveness. Yeah, exactly. But if you're going to be a great to elite potential defense, or at least a defense that should live up to the talent that's on this roster, Mm -hmm. that's natural. You should be naturally competitive, and they weren't. They, Mm -hmm. I mean, they gave up ten points out the gate to an offense that really, you know, has some trickery to it, but doesn't do anything really, really well. Mm I mean, they had one broken 71-yard play in that game. What else did NC State really do where you went, man, that offense is just clicking? They're really no, good. No, I mean, some of the stuff they did with Samuels
0: was really, really cool with Jalen Samuels. Yeah, but they, that they knew throw. that was coming.
2: Yeah, no, they did. And they, they did. force-fed Samuels. I mean, he touched it numerous times. He threw a ball. He ran it a few times. He a They got it the ball screen,
0: but they did a lot of things to get the ball to their best player, and Florida State didn't show consistently that it had an answer for it. But
2: outside of his 25-yard pass and the shovel pass that went for a touchdown, he really was relatively well-contained.
0: I mean, I, I other just, than the play that led to touchdown, yeah,
2: but, he but yeah, for the amount he touched and the amount you know, NC State's gonna run their offense through him. He wasn't the reason they lost. Well, the he's fact not. That he's that a kid not a game kid breaker. That had like 220 yeah. career receiving yards came in, and put up 110 on him. <laughs> A 71-yard touchdown is a big reason they lost, and in general, the reason they lost is they just didn't play very well. No,
0: we were Bob and I were down on the sideline. You were think you, you were covering the recruiting stuff at that time? We were watching some of the special team stuff, the guys fielding you know, punts pun early on. And Bob looked over to me and said, "Like they just seem kind of lackadaisical." And yeah, it's only so much you can glean from that. But you kind of saw that too, Bob, right? Like they, they didn't have that piss and vinegar from very early on.
2: Now, whose fault is that? Is That players or coaches?
0: that's that's systemic i mean that's that's uh, both Um, yes is the answer to your question like like that is not either recruiting the guy that's going to get up or not being able to motivate him to get up um so is it just naturally those guys aren't aren't those those alpha dogs that we've been led to believe they are sometimes um or the coach is not putting them in a position to i mean you listen it was a noon start and it was don't go making excuses no okay there aren't a lot of fans
1: I think there was a lack of leadership <laughs> in that regard then. I mean, it doesn't matter whether the game is 8 o'clock on Saturday night yeah. with a packed house or 12 noon on a Saturday morning when on a Saturday morning, because I say that as if there are, there are no college students coming out to fill the student section, mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of energy early on. But it doesn't really matter. You have to be, as a leader, you have to instill that fire in everybody and make sure that everybody knows the responsibilities and what you have to achieve. I think, you know. shifting gears a little bit, Jimbo preaches being situationally smart and winning third down red zone that's how you win games oh and they suck. FSU at it. lost sorry, in the red sorry. zone FSU struggled was it 5 of 12 i think on third down four, from four, a defensive standpoint so i i guess when i saw on the replay I, you know we all probably saw it but i saw a team that had nc state in third and long third and 7 or more and you think, well, this is a situation where Finley can't be successful because he's a dink and dink and dink mm-hmm. type of passer. But somehow, every third and long, NC State dialed up something that was a little bit misdirection, caused a little bit of eye violation. But it, it seemed like it worked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at some point, Florida State's got to figure out how to stop this. Um, one thing I, I, you, I don't You're know. a better athlete. <laughs> you gotta, you got to sniff yeah. it out sooner or later. What I think also gave me pause was, the defense was a little bit too passive because they knew Finley was going to get rid of the ball quickly. It was almost like the defensive line was saying, okay, I'm going to stand here and then read and react a little too much. I think also that made the game plan pull Derwin James away from the line of scrimmage as the edge rusher or the in the box kind of pseudo linebacker. And that's where I love what Derwin James can bring to the table. That's where he's successful against Alabama. When you play him as a deep safety, it's almost like he's the guy who makes sure that, that the bad play doesn't become the touchdown. Well, I, want him, up, yeah. I don't want him in cleanup mode. I want him way up toward the box being the eraser that he is yeah. and making sure that some of these little quick passes don't become a first down. So on third down, bring him all the way up. Make him be out there and aggressive. And I just thought the defense was just maybe too passive in how it, it, it tried to do things. It just didn't feel right.
2: Yeah, and going back and watching it, I thought the interior guys played pretty well. Naughty and Chris yeah. was supposed to – I thought they had good days. Um, Naughty's extremely good. And that's a big reason why NC State's rushing attack wasn't all that successful. And I thought Ro Hoskins had a good game. I, I yeah. said to Brendan earlier today, he's not a guy that makes flashy plays, but he's been very consistent. He's two has got tables in each of the last two games, yep. 18 for the season. And playing close and to the line of scrimmage. a good place. Yeah. There's not many times I can point to him and say, man, he's the one at fault there. You know, but outside of those guys, there's not a whole lot of positives on that defense from that game.
0: No, it's, I mean, the pass rush was, and again, you said that earlier, Chris, it was kind of was supposed to be a lot of quick. Yeah, it was release. neutralized by
2: um, play calling. NC State was intelligent in that
0: regard. But again, like, that's credit. Like, it comes back to you saying NC State shouldn't be able to to outcoach Florida State and at a certain point. Like, that's kind of what happened. I don't yeah. think we, any of us kind of argue that.
2: Be more aggressive with hitting their receivers, hitting the guys out of backfield the guys they're going to try to throw it to, you know, kind of stall plays in that regard make Finley hold it for an extra second. I don't feel like FSU was very good at getting their hands up, being mm-hmm. active with their hands, trying to flex balls. You know, some of that was, you know, guys kind of playing inside while Finley worked a lot to the edges, to the outside and even to the flat. But it just, it left so much to be desired.
0: And then, I mean, and then kind of the epitome of of maybe the defensive Issues um, and this isn't a one game issue.
2: This is a now multi year issue. We've saying. seen that when FSU's defense struggles, it's kind of the same issues it's a loafing, lack of motivation, not being physical. I mean, I know Traverse McFadden's never going to be Derwin James with tackling people, but my god, kid, you got to try sometimes. Yeah, you, you got to take their ankles out, do what Marquez White used to do, which is try to cut out their feet and make them land on the ground. Get in there the were way. times where McFadden was just completely gobbled up, and they picked on him for that. I mean, they're there's a play where him and Kyle Myers are confused on one where they kind of shoot a tunnel mm-hmm. and it's just, it's not a good look. Yeah. You, you can't be a good defense. I mean, hell, let's quit saying the word elite. You can't be a good defense if you're not willing to be physical.
0: No, you're, you're right. The physicality wasn't, it wasn't there. And like you said, Chris, this isn't a one-time, isn't just a one-time deal for Florida State. I'm trying to pull up now the third and seven um, at the end. And I think this is the game, the play that kind of epitomizes the defense is, is it's, Third and seven, a minute, 30 left. Floor State, you have no timeouts. This is the game. This is your last chance to do something, to, to get a chance to, to go ahead. Um, and, and you have essentially, you know, you just get pushed off the line. Um, Derwin James gets sucked in, and maybe he was too over aggressive. I'm not sure. Um, but. NC State picks up a third down on, on third and seven to, to close the game out, and it's just like that's a, a good defense, finds a way to make that play. It doesn't end up giving giving up a 15-yard game for a first down.
1: It looked like the receivers from NC State blocked that play up really well, but nobody was really able to shed a block and, and make sure that Hines couldn't cut it toward the sideline. So I, don't know, I think he got 15 yards on the play. Yeah, the edge was but, just
2: way too clean for a guy on a play where he needed that many yards. Uh, it's just, it's uh, like they yeah. dialed up aggressiveness and it was at the wrong time. I, I, I'm i all for defense being aggressive, but when you need to force a fourth down and a turnover or change of possession, you're not obsessed with getting him in the backfield as much as just making sure he doesn't get enough to get that I mean, first they were down and kill the clock.
0: Like, like Levante Taylor's 10 yards with the receiver downfield on third and seven. Um, is that that can happen. happen. Uh, at safety, I'm not sure. I think it was it Trey Marshall or A.J. Westbrook, but he's he's ten yards downfield. Yeah. Like he's not coming up into the box to make a play. Like if they beat you with the pass, they beat you with the pass, and that's how the game ends. Yeah. Like you, that you don't go down.
1: I think you 100% know it's going to be a run play, and if if they beat you with the pass, you just kind of throw your hands up and say, Well, they they out executed you on that one. But you know what's coming, mm-hmm. and you're just not able to stop it. But that again, that was. Emblematic, I think of, of the entire day yeah. where you just don't make the play on third down yep. and you don't get NC State off the field. So instead, Wolfpack sustains some of these very, very long drives. I think they have four drives that were over 10 plays, 10 yes. plays or more. So when you have that many long scoring drives, of course you're going to be worn out. I thought the Wolfpack on defense would be worn out because of the heat. Maybe they're not used to it here, high noon start. But instead, Doran even mentioned that it was, that was Florida State's defense that seemed worn out by the end. And, yeah. you know... I don't think four State guys will maybe admit that. They won't want to. Dorn wasn't wrong. I don't think he was wrong.
2: Pack had the ball for
1: 33 and 22 seconds, 33 minutes and 22 seconds.
2: FSU had it for 26 minutes and 38 yeah. seconds. And NC
0: State more or less doubled its rushing yardage uh, for the entire game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they were able to run the ball in the fourth quarter and pick up a couple of key first downs. I mean, that's that's what happened. Um, and, and like we said, big picture, like this is kind of – kind of a thing. There's going to be times when the Florida State defense gets up and plays really good and plays up to its potential. Bob wrote a good column yesterday about you know uh, know, not living up to potential and this is kind of what it is. I don't be too reactionary in the moment, but we've seen enough now in the
1: last few years that this defense runs hot and cold. I think we saw the capabilities of this defense against Alabama. I think that's what kind of makes you very (laughs) beyond frustrated. I called it underachieving in the column because you saw what they could do against Alabama. You saw that Derwin James was back and that he was a badass, mm-hmm. and then still they knew, with all the issues on offense, with a true freshman quarterback, that you have to help out. And the defense did nothing. The defense put Florida State behind the eight ball all day. Offense was constantly playing catch up. I think Jimbo had to had to pass more than he wanted. I think he clearly did want to stick with the run, but yet again he kind of gave up on it because he felt like he was he was playing from behind. The defense just didn't give the offense a chance. I think that's what is what is so startling. And I thought, you know, again I said this, I thought the defense was past this in 2016. I thought they had learned from this from the North yeah. Carolina game, from the Louisville game. These are supposed to be guys who are now juniors and seniors and guys who have experience instead of at that point maybe it's your first year starting. Instead, you know, yet again this was a wake up call. And I don't know if they took NC State for granted just based on how they watched them on film or because you don't respect the NC State name or brand, whereas you respect an Alabama, Clemson, Miami, Florida. I don't know if that was it at all, but I just, the defense just really didn't look like it was at all willing to be physical and, and make plays and, and help out in any way.
0: Yeah, no, physicality was an issue. But
2: They've created zero turnovers on a year, too. And I know turnovers to some degree are luck. And they came close with that interception that was overruled by penalty, but... Two games in, eight quarters of football. At some point you gotta And only one only
0: one sack? Is that I I think only one sack.
2: They had one sack against NC State. Did they
0: have any against Alabama? I don't don't, remember. That was so long ago. My brain forgot. Like five months ago at this point.
2: (laughs) There was a lot of pressure on Hertz. I know that's a different style of game plan in Alabama. I don't think they were out to so much take down Hertz in the backfield as Force him to be a pocket passer.
0: No, that, I mean, that that, that's time. true. We that's spoke about that part of it, but there's week. just a lack of impact plays, I guess, is yeah. what my point is on the, on the defense. Yeah, I
2: wrote that. I thought FSU needed to throw haymakers on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we saw a couple of them on offense Auden Tate's big reception where he got hurt, George Campbell's long reception, but we didn't see it at all on the defense. Florida
0: really. State has, so they had two against Alabama, so three sacks on the season. Um, that is 118th nationally. But they've played less games, but still 1.5 sacks a game is going to put you in that. The lower tier nationally. Okay. So let, let's transition to offense. Um, I thought, let's go with James Blackman first. I thought that he played well enough for them to win. Uh, there were certainly some issues with, I think, some pre-play reads, um, feeling a little bit of pressure when there wasn't there, but that's all to be expected. Some timing so rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, but that's expected. Um, Bob put it very well uh, when we opened this up, and that is – if you said that you know Florida State's offense was going to be – well, they were responsible for 19 points, but they scored 21. Um, you would take that and think that's going to be enough. He played well enough, especially when he got in a rhythm in that second quarter and third quarter before Auden Tate went out with an injury. And when he had his number one target, the guy he clearly trusted. I mean, that was half of his passes went to Auden Tate. Uh, he looked good, guys. I mean, there's something to build off of there with, with him. I think we all agree, right? He was, he yeah. was po- positive for Florida State for the most part. You know who hasn't been? Patrick he's not doing what you need him to do. At I mean, the run game, okay, Chris, you want to talk about the run game. Yeah, uh, it really took him It took him two, three knots to start turning to Cam Akers. He gave you a little bit of something. Then he has that third and one where he makes I mean, that's a rookie mistake. You don't cut up. You don't get the first down. Maybe that's the play you actually put in Patrick when it's third and one. Um, the usage rate of the running back so far has not been great.
2: Patrick has 14 yeah. rushes for 55 yards this year. If he's going to be your guy, you got to make him your guy. Yeah. He needs to get a lot of carries to be a guy. He's going to work on a defense, wear him down to some degree, be that guy.
0: Yeah, and they're actually they're they're averaging, uh, I think it's about 26 and a half running or rushing attempts per game, which is 128th out of 130 teams nationally. So they keep saying they're not abandoning the run, but through two games, like they've kind of abandoned some point the run. They make a commitment to it. And that was one of the the. When we were doing our three keys, that was one of them was to, to not be not only just be aggressive with, with black men, but then you had to complement that with the running game. And it wasn't even if the running game was supremely efficient, you had to kind of force the issue to make NC State respect it. They didn't force the issue. Uh, and Chris, you want to talk about the the efficiency of the offense in general on third down, or were they Four or 14? Four or 14 in this game. And James Blackman was – I can't think of it off the top of my head, but he was oh, – that's not good. He, they were in third and long way too often, too. Um, I think they faced third and ten like four times, uh, and then third and seven and more. I think like eight – I don't. it's off the top of my head, but it wasn't good. And you yeah. put your rookie quarterback in that position where he's having to make those long reads, like that's that's not, that's not yeah.
2: good. Pre-snap penalties hurt him. Derek Kelly obviously getting a three and mm-hmm. kind of got beat up by Chubb. It was not a good day for Derek. Everly had the one-snap miscue, which I think was somewhat of a miscommunication between him and his quarterback, so I'm not going to pin that solely on Eberly, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you had Keith Gavin, I believe it was, with the illegal motion. So that's you know, five examples right there of pre-snap penalties moving you behind the chains, and that offense can't afford that. You, you simply, when you have a freshman quarterback and your offense has yet to create any rhythm in two games, you can't do it. You have to play gain a little, gain a little, gain a little, then gain a lot. You can't play gain a little, lose
0: a lot. It's just, it, you, you can't survive. You mentioned the penalties. It's so weird to me. Like the offensive line, like <laughs> this has been an ongoing issue. You documented it well last year. The fall starts, and it goes more beyond just a year. But uh, it's weird. It's like they have one something early on, and then it just compounds and snowballs. I mean, they were they were really good against Alabama in sense of being efficient, not making just terrible miscues. And then you come, I don't know, you know, you come into the NC State game, I don't know if it's Derek Kelly you know, playing in front of a, basically a home crowd, like his home crowd, like he's a local kid, if he had nerves. I don't know if it was, you know, James Blackman being the, you know, this. I think you mentioned uh, just chemistry or pre-snap stuff kind of. I don't know what it was, but you can't put your rookie quarterback in, in that position.
1: You just can't do it. And I think you need to figure out who your feature back is now going forward. I think – the answer is obviously Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. I think Cam is the guy who can make the cut, who has the speed, who is dynamic, and who has some more physicality, honestly, right now than Jaquez Patrick. I mean, it looks like Patrick should be the physical runner. He is not as much. I thought he had some rushes that were quality as far as moving forward, yeah. extending the chains and such. But again, Patrick is the complementary piece from mm-hmm. what we've seen so far through two games. It's been two very good defensive long, defensive fronts that they have faced mm-hmm. but acres from everything that he's shown us so far he is your number one back doesn't really matter if you're a true freshman or a junior. Jimbo says doesn't matter play don't care who makes it <laughs> well let's let's prove it here play don't care who makes it and it needs to go to a true freshman.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's clearly the difference maker in that backfield. He's the guy that can make something happen. He hasn't broken off a long one yet. I think what,
2: 16 16's the longest rush of the season for yeah, and that's that's Acres the biggest, that. Had it. He had a 16 and a 14-yarder in the first quarter, and those were the two longest rushes to that point in the season. Patrick had a 14-yard rush later in the game as well.
0: Yeah, so, so he at least is someone that can kind of make something happen. Um, Patrick, I don't know, if I mean, he certainly hasn't shown that yet up to this point. Uh,
2: the other thing on the offense that I'm amazed by, or I, I shouldn't be amazed, but tight ends tight have ends? been non-existent <laughs> yeah, for year, that's where you're gonna I go. Mean, yeah. Izzo had the one target in this game where he kind of got sandwiched between two defenders. But other than that, they've just the, not been used that a little, little against, stretch
0: in the against Alabama in the two-minute offense yeah. with Izzo. And
2: that's it. And yeah. B- Bama, in the Bama game, they used them a bit more as blockers. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised, honestly, they didn't use them more against NC State, especially with the success Chubb was having off the and, edge. And well, they
0: had some success in that their first scoring drive against NC State, and they put in Akers as the feature back, and they put in both Saunders and Izzo, and they were able to move the ball. Like, they had success with balance. <laughs> I think we're we're getting to, guys, there's just a lot of stuff that didn't make sense and they kept going to things that, that didn't seem to be working. Some of the long-developing play-action plays uh, with, with Blackman, you know, kind of allowed NC State's defense to pin its ears back. Like, I didn't think the offensive line was terrible. I, I just don't think that they were in a great position uh, for their skill. Like, there's a cap to what that group's going to do with a rookie quarterback.
2: On. Comparing FSU's O-line to NC State's O-line in that mm-hmm. game, I thought NC State's O-line was far superior. When Good. you rewatch watch it, and you brought this up when we were talking earlier, uh, off record, off the podcast, that there's huge holes. Like, you mm-hmm. watch NC State's rushing attack. There are yep. huge holes where three mm-hmm. linemen are blocking up in a triangle form, giving two holes for mm-hmm. the back to shoot through. With FSU, we those are kind of few and far between. They them. don't
0: run that kind of – like, they're doing all these long counter, – these counters they, they and these long development. They just can't whoop the man across. Admit that may be it. And then, but then that, again, comes back to something that's systemic. If you can't whoop the guy in front of you consistently – and Florida State's in a conference where the defensive line is pretty good and you're scheduling out of conference games against Florida and Alabama that are going to be pretty good. Like, Then that becomes a systemic issue. And I think that's kind of what, what I think a lot of the fan base is getting aggregate, aggravated, sorry, not aggregated, although, you know, 24-7 sports. Um, we do some of that sometimes. Uh, that is something that is leading to some angst because it's it just, it's been the same issues relatively consistent consistently for at least a few years now. Yeah. Oh, when this offense hasn't had a dynamic leader and in-game manager like a Jameis Winston, it has these inexplicable games where it just bogs down. This wasn't terrible by any means against NC State, but it, it, it just, the issues, again, just kind of keep popping up over and over and again. the same issues. Yes, exactly. They're the same issues relatively consistently. Um, we're not going to go into Wake Forest too much here, guys. I, I don't think we'll say that a little bit for later in the week if we decide to do one. Uh, this is big picture. This is looking at, at what Florida State goes from here. Uh, I mean, what do you, is there a chance for this team to salvage this season? I mean, 0-2 is certainly not good. Um, and if you lose to NC State, I think all of a sudden that opens up the possibility to lose to a lot more teams that are, that are better than NC State, too.
2: I think the optimistic view on this season is truthfully 7-4. So however you mm-hmm. want to define that. I, for the amount of money you're paying the coaching staff and the roster talent you have, I think 7-4 is pretty damn pathetic.
0: It's not good. Um, and, again, there was a – we talked about this, and I wrote about it last week. There was a curve with having a true freshman quarterback. There was going to be a drop-off. But that, they didn't
2: lose this game because of a true freshman No, they
0: didn't. It, what it does is creates just a razor-thin margin yeah. for error. And you've said that, too. That That yeah. is probably added – the, the margin for error became increasingly thin, and that's what happens. You don't have a guy that can – you know, you have, I don't you, see the
2: coaching issues that FSU has at this time changing in season because those coaches aren't. Oh, that's something that
0: we should probably. because so. People are asking about. No, I don't either. I don't think that's going to happen.
2: And um, they they do have coaching issues. Like it's the elephant in the room. I'm not trying to say any coach is not good. I, I covered Jody Allen. That's what a horrible coach looks like. Jody Allen didn't know what the hell he was doing. FSU doesn't have a Jody Allen on this staff. Yeah. But there are clearly spots on this FSU staff where they can do better.
0: Well, if you have if you ask those coaches honestly. Are they maximizing the effort and or maximizing the potential and getting the most effort out of the guys that they have, these top you know, five recruiting classes nationally? Uh, the answer, I think, would have to be no. Like They're not maximizing the skill set that they have consistently enough. Uh, and listen, not many teams are going to do what Alabama does, and that's kind of the, the gold standard. Um, but the issue is now all of a sudden you know, that's in the southeast. Clemson, uh, in, your, in your same division, is doing it. And, and they look damn good right now. Um, and they're recruiting quarterbacks well, and they're recruiting defense alignment well. If they keep doing those things consistently, they're going to remain a very good upper echelon program. So that's the issue. It's is not just that you're not maximizing your potential. You're not necessarily moving forward with you know the competition that's directly around you. Um,
1: I think you asked earlier, is this season salvageable? And I kind of agree with Chris. I think 7-4 is kind of the most rosy, optimistic view. At this point, any game is winnable, with the exception maybe of Clemson. I think any game is also losable. So you get into these, like you said, razor-thin margins where FSU has to go on the road against teams that it should beat, such as Wake Forest and, and Duke and Boston College. And those are games that, by all accounts, you should win those games. Doesn't matter if you have a true freshman quarterback or not, but now you look at him and you go, "Oh boy, if something goes wrong early, or if the defense doesn't decide to drive the bus again, this this could be a long day." I, I think I don't think this team totally falls apart. But that, that's that's
0: our thirty minute timer that we're rambling <laughs> too much.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think this team totally falls apart and and say it misses a bowl game and doesn't hit six wins, but I think. I think the defense and the leadership have to decide that they're in it. And it's either for yourself, your teammate, your coach, uh, the name on the jersey, whatever reason you want to choose, all the above. But figure out, figure out what your season is all about. You know, Jimbo talked about playing for Pride last year, and it's amazing that we're going through the same thing of are you going to play for Pride yet again? But that's the situation you're in. I mean, yeah. you are 0-2. You are what you are. And now it's time to, to play and decide if you want to go in the tank and win five or try and make a push for seven and win a bowl game. And I, It's a crazy spot to be in yet again in September, but that's that's where it is.
0: In all fairness, last year it was October 1st that, were they, <laughs> that they were uh, three and two. They did get out of it last year. Right. I think that's the one thing that, that I mean, certainly Jimbo is going to look at. But it's like no lesson was learned. No, I mean that's, again – we're seeing this is just like Groundhog Day, man. It's just the same thing. Real quick before we wrap up, I'm just going to go down the schedule real quick. FSU's 0 and 2. You need six wins to be both eligible, right? You don't have 11 or you don't have 12 games now because of the ULM, which would have been Delaware State. Yes. So Delaware <laughs> State. So let's go down. the list. <laughs> at Wake Forest, I'm not counting that as an automatic win. I'm not at this point. Wake Forest is 4 and 0 and senior heavy, so, and it's at Wake. It's and, the lowest
2: point spread at the start of the week for Wake Forest in the Fisher era
0: because <laughs> oh, it's, at, it's at it's it's at
1: -8 or if as you given 8 and honestly Forest State always struggles up in Winston-Salem but seems to blow out the Deacons here uh, there's oh, no there's a, no big crowd advantage up there but they don't seem to play very well in Winston-Salem I mean, historically same, same thing, you don't uh, walk in the Deacon Tower and just walk out with it's, a victory it's
0: Snuggy again. Hill man it's 2011, crazy 2011,
1: they struggled and lost after losing two games yeah, that's 2015,
0: 2015 we said we weren't going to analyze Hunter. Wake Forest stop stop we're not analyzing Wake Forest
1: but, It's just something that's concerning historically about how the attitude of going into Wake Forest week is for Mm -hmm. players. Duke's a Uh, sort of efficient team, but uh, not real good.
0: We're going down the list. You guys are (laughs) Wait, At Wake Forest, we're not counting at Miami, that's certainly not necessarily a, a guaranteed win. At Duke, Chris?
2: Efficient team, good enough cut cliff cut. they have a good won, quarterback but fsu is far superior to them from an athletic standpoint
0: well that i mean that's out the window after i know but the, i'm not counting that as an automatic win i just i can't right now um louisville
2: no, i no. gave you your automatic win delaware state i'm not man. there
0: yet yeah i'm trying to do an order you guys are the ocd and me you were just poking and prodding right now at boston college they probably win that right well it's a friday night seven to six <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be a blast <laughs> Uh, Syracuse, I think is a realistic. that's that's a win. that's at home. At Clemson. Pff, um, Delaware State. There you go, Chris. Yeah. That's three. And they'll still beat Florida, too. And Do we want to count? So even if we give them Florida, man, that's four that you Just say. Just make sure it doesn't sure. come down
2: to the last play because somehow Florida pulls it out of their ass on the last play. <laughs> You're
0: going to throw an 80-yard Hail Mary and, yeah. and pretend it wasn't a Hail it Mary. It will bounce
2: off a helmet, go an extra <laughs> 10 yards, and be caught in the back of the end zone somehow toe-tap to win it.
0: What I'm saying, man, is like the ACC is not a cakewalk, and maybe that's partially why Florida State's struggles are becoming more pronounced. It's because those, those gimme games aren't quite gimme games like they were you know, in 2013 and even a good part of, of 2012 outside of that NC State uh, but the debacle.
2: Only, only team with comparable talent to FSU in this league is Clemson.
0: But yeah, but that's yeah, you're right. You're and right.
2: Louisville's next up, but there's yeah, a and gap. And Miami's between closing those it. Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. Miami has mm-hmm. definitely closed it. Um, UNC last year was more talented than this year, especially from an experience. so
0: that's that the point. issue too is the the teams that are closing the gap, you play all 3 of them. Or or the I mean Clemson the gaps closed. It's yeah. it's all 3 of them you have to play them every single year. Um
1: the quality of the coaching hires the last couple of years yeah, in the ACC has kind of neutralized a little bit of that uh, recruiting advantage as far as Florida State and Clemson being loaded up, loaded up on four stars and five stars. Like, like, You've got guys like Mark Richt, and we, we trashed Dave Doran, but he yeah coached the FSC staff. You know, Claussen has I've really improved Wake Forest. Yeah. Cutcliffe has brought Duke from a spot that they hadn't seen since the Spurrier days in, in the 1980s. So this is, this is a conference that has been elevated through coaching success they have poured some money into um, infrastructure improvements, such as Miami doing the IPF down there. But we've seen coaches kind of bring this conference up to a level where each week is is a little bit of, of a mystery, I think. Man, there are
0: a whole lot of gimmies left for Florida State. And then that's to that credit, because of what the ACC is doing with, with building its infrastructure, upgrading coaching, which is upgrading, you know rosters and it's just there's not a lot of gimme's left for Florida State like they're going to have to be really precise and you know I, I don't think this year just goes completely uh, down the down the drain but there is obviously now a realistic possibility that things could bottom out um, and with that I want to leave you guys on that really high <laughs> high, high note because uh, I think we've said all we can say it's not great uh, there's reason for optimism but certainly Florida State has a lot of a lot of areas where it has to improve and or else things can get really bad of. Thanks for joining me, guys. Everyone at home, thank you for listening to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone, and uh, we'll talk to you later.